3, beginning with verse 13. Brethren, I count not myself to have apprehended, Paul said, but this one thing I do, forgetting those things which are behind and reaching forth unto those things which are before. I press towards the mark for the prize of the high calling of God in Christ Jesus. I want to speak to you today, and I realize that my sermon title may not be the most original on the planet, but I mean it from my heart. Four things for 2017. I knew today that we would have a lot of people away for the New Year's weekend, and we're not that rigid here. But next Sunday, we want to launch our theme for 2017. We had announced communion for next Sunday, but I just felt a strong compelling to do it today. So our altar service today, we'll have communion, partaking communion together. So I want to give you opportunity to prepare your mind and heart for that, and we would appreciate everyone participating in our communion service today. Let's pray and ask the Lord to anoint this message to quicken our hearts to be better than we've ever been. In Jesus' name, Father, we love you today. We're thankful for this great honor and privilege to begin this year in your presence. What a great place to be on January the 1st. I pray today that you would bless every person that's here. I pray that our minds and hearts are open to receive the Word of God. Help our hearts to be pricked today, to be challenged Pray that our minds could be stretched, that we could be better in your kingdom than we've ever been. We ask it in Jesus' name. And everybody said amen. God bless you. Thank you for standing. You may be seated. Well, there's a lot of things that will probably sound the same in this message today as others have been preached in times past. But I do believe today that the new year is a good time a great time to determine to move forward, to give ourselves more to the kingdom of God than we ever have before. I do know that I would not want to begin a new year by going backwards. I would not want to begin a new year by being less than I've been in the past. So as we look at 2017, I will ask you this morning, what are your plans for 2017, especially Spiritually speaking, what are your motivators for 2017? What is motivating you to welcome in this year, to embrace this year? What are your determinations? What are you determined to do? Uh, Brother Merrill hit the nail on the head when he said, well, I want to lose weight. Well, we all do. But I've only seen just a handful that's really been determined to do that. (laughs) we'll talk about that subject another time. We want to be better organized. We want to be better parents, better at church, and better leaders and all of that. I want to say today that I want to give God the glory for the things He's done. Yet Paul mentioned in Philippians chapter 3 four things that continually motivated him, not just at the beginning of a new year, but every day. They were motivators. They were something that challenged him. These are not just nice-sounding words in the verses of Scripture that most of us are familiar with today. And it's not just words that were written some 2,000 years ago for Paul's benefit. This is relevant to us today. And I know that 2016 has bore, has, has brought to us, rather, its, its share of difficulty, of hardship, and what have you. We can choose to live there if you want to, but I choose to move away from the hardship. I choose to move on past it and embrace some better times and some better days ahead. But Paul mentioned four things, and they're still relevant to us today. The first thing that he mentioned Of these four things, the first thing he mentioned, and it may sound a little bit unusual, but I want to challenge the the, the people that attend Grace Church to find some dissatisfaction in your life. What is it about your life that's not satisfying you? 
What is it about your life that's not leaving you as fulfilled as you want to be? You know, there's never a time, there's never a time to put life on cruise control or just coast or just go through the motion, especially when it comes to spirituality. I had this conversation with somebody this week. In spiritual life, you're either going forward or backward. There's no standstill. And I want to encourage the folks at Grace Church to never be contented with cruise control mentality when it comes to your relationship with God. There's not anybody here today that's graduated from the school of spirituality. That won't happen until you're raptured. That won't happen until you pass from this life to the other life. There's always something in our life that can be better. It doesn't matter to me if you've served God for 50 years or for 50 days. There's always room to grow and to be better in your relationship with God. We do not know everything about the Word of God there is to know. We've not prayed every prayer that can be prayed. And we have yet to peek out when it comes to the worship of our God, of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. I want to say to us today, it's time to find some dissatisfaction in our life and say, I'm going to find the source of it, and I'm going to get rid of it, and I'm going to live my life to the ultimate, to the best it can be. I'm going to sell out to the kingdom of God. Clap your hands this morning to the Lord. Let me ask you today, how many of you relax while you're driving? I heard a very encouraging news report just several days ago that there is a state, and they didn't say which one it was, it's going to make it against the law to hold your cell phone in your hand while you're driving. I think that is a great idea. For those of you that do that, don't whine when you pile into the back end of somebody. Don't cry about it. This is not what you do while you're driving. Everybody say amen. That's not in my notes. I just thought I'd throw it out there for... Well, it's relevant, and it's true. Drive hands-free. But anyway, someone said one time, I want to die just like my grandpa died in his sleep, not screaming like the others that he was driving. There's never an opportunity for cruise control spirituality. I understand sometimes people get burned out, especially people in leadership, and I think it's good to take a quarter off or take a few months off or whatever. But that doesn't mean you take off from God. You don't get burnt out with Jesus. It's not possible to get burnt out with Jesus because He's always new. He's always fresh. And if you don't find Him that way, that's not on Him. Everybody say amen. Praise the Lord. So for a church to go backward, it doesn't require its people to go backward. It just requires its people to stand still. Have you found a comfort zone in your spiritual life? And we're not talking about contentment here. We're not talking about contentment. The Bible said, especially when it comes to materialism, that godliness with contentment is great gain. To be contented with what you have and to be spiritual at the same time, that's an awesome mountain peak to reach sometimes, isn't it? And then spirituality you never get contented or satisfied. There's always more. So here's our attitude posture. However much I read my Bible last year, it wasn't enough. However much I prayed last year, wasn't enough. However much I gave last year, wasn't enough. However much I worshiped last year, wasn't enough. As the old song says, I'm pressing on the upward way. New heights I'm gaining every day. Lord, lift me up above the shadows. Lift me up to higher ground. I want to submit to you today at Grace Church our needs for 2017 are many and it's not applicable uh, to folks that are already involved in what have you. But there's folks that are living on cruise control right now. We need some help in our Sunday school department in our kids ministry. Oh yes we do. We need to double our staff. We need to double our staff and our 
kids' ministry. I found it amazing as pastor, and I'm not the only one. I have several pastor friends that bemoan the same thing. They say everybody wants kids' ministry, but nobody wants to do it. And you're going to hear this for the next several weeks, so I'll just go ahead and prepare you for it. But we need some help. We need some folks. We, we need some help with our ushering staff and with our, our folks in the lobby and what have you. Here's the point. To sit in another class, another year, like a lot of you do, would be cruise control spirituality. All right, Coop, here goes. I wish we could clean that class out and not even need it because every person in, in, in Brother Jason's class is being used somewhere else. Maybe it shouldn't be so good. Maybe if we put a real bad teacher in there, some of you would start wanting to work around the church, huh? What do you think about that idea? That's where we kind of shoot ourselves in the foot with these kind of ministries. And he does a great job. But I want, to, I want some folks, especially in that class, to take this message to heart. It also applies to nursery help, to praying, to outreach, to witnessing, to attendance, faithfulness. Now is not the time to do less. 2017 can't take less of us. 2017 won't work with less of us. The kingdom of God in 2017 won't work with less of us. And now is not the time to do less, but to do more. So I want to encourage everybody here this morning to beware of dissatisfaction in your life. Find its cause and pursue the solution. And foremost of dissatisfied lives here today, a good fresh altar experience, a good time of repentance, a good worship experience. We get rid of a whole lot of that. But then to find yourself involved where you feel value, where you feel purpose for your existence on this planet besides the mundane things you do from Monday through Friday. It's time to step up, folks. It's time to step up. Grace Church needs to grow. It needs to be more impactful. It needs to pray more. It needs to worship more. It needs to give more. And we can do it. We can do it. We just need a motivator. Somebody shout yes. So what's the cause of not feeling self-satisfied? First, I want to say that we have a tendency to compare ourselves to the others who are not making good spiritual progress. Since we are, since when are, Spiritually inferior people are standard. Actually, Jesus is our standard. Even the Bible teaches that comparing yourselves among yourselves or comparing yourselves with others is not wise. We develop a false sense of spirituality when we compare to anyone other than our Savior. And when we do that, we quickly recognize how small and unproductive we really are when we compare our lives to His. Paul said, brethren, now this is the Apostle Paul speaking. He's one of the ones that turned his world upside down. He got down on it, man. He, he rocked everybody. You didn't get in Paul's way. And he's the one that said, I count not myself to have apprehended. In other words, I haven't arrived yet. I haven't done all that there is to do. I haven't done all that I can do. If Paul says that, then where do we stand in that picture, in that same frame? I want to encourage Grace Church, no cruise control, but it's time to put the pedal to the metal and do what we're going to do for Jesus. There's too much talent. There's too much ability. There's too much gifting here at this church not to be tapped and not to be used to its fullest extent. Second, if we're not careful, we'll allow ourselves to get to the point of complacency. And I would say that's probably the biggest thing that we struggle with. Things are going well. We're not really being challenged. Life is good for the most part. We're getting our feet back under us from the great flood and all of that. And, and, and we've, we've handled it. We really didn't need God that much.
FEMA has been the provider. And uh, our insurance companies has been the provider. And what they didn't provide, it came from someone else. How much did you call on God during that time? Just something to think about. We get complacent, and we learn how to handle our life's problems on our own. Let me remind you again, God will never bless you to the point that you don't need Him in your life. He'll never do that. We can feel beat down with the woes of life and the failures of yesterday. I read a story this past week. A pastor pounded the pulpit one Sunday morning preaching, Ignorance and complacency, he said. That's our problem. You, sir, on the front row, do you even know the difference between ignorance and complacency? And the man replied, I don't know and I don't care. So you rest the case. So when is a church officially dead? And when can we write Ichabod over the door? When we've looked backwards so long we can't find it within ourselves to look up or even look ahead. Maybe we should find it, find the source of the dissatisfaction in our life and then commit to do something about it. I want to say again, there's too much potential. There's too much ability sitting on the chairs in this sanctuary this morning for this church not to be absolutely over the top. And I know there's a core group here. There, there's a leadership group. They put it out every week, every week, every week. But we need to expand that group just because you walk in the door and see a piano player and a drummer and a this and a that doesn't mean there's not more room for you to feel value and purpose at Grace Church. We're open to anybody, to everybody. We want everybody to be involved. We want everybody running at your peak output when it comes to the kingdom. Come on, folks. Find some dissatisfaction in your life and let's do something about it. The second thing is to find some devotion. Paul said, I'm going to forget about what's behind me and so on. And he went on to say, but this one thing I do. It's one of the most important phrases in the Bible. This one thing I do. The self-righteous rich young ruler, uh, to him Jesus said, one thing you lack. To the busy Martha working in the kitchen criticizing her sister Mary, Jesus said, one thing is needful. The psalmist said, one thing have I desired of the Lord. Paul said, this one thing I do. It's a statement of devotion. His Christianity was not a sideshow. His Christianity was not a compartment of his life. A wheel has many spokes, and so do we in our lives. We have work life and school life and hobby and family life and church life and so on. The spokes oftentimes have nothing to do with each other. But where I get nervous is when a person's church life doesn't show up in the work life. It's when their church life doesn't show up at the mall or at the local restaurant or even on vacation. And even for some, to view your family life at home, you would never know there was a church life in it. It's devotion. Find some devotion. Jesus doesn't want to be a spoke in our life at all. He wants to be the hub of the wheel out of which all the spokes grow and connect. Christianity shouldn't be a compartment of your life. It should be your life. We need to trade some commitments of this world for a rock-solid commitment to Jesus. We're too busy these days. I'm, I'm trying to help some folks. We don't always want to repeat what we did in 2016. Let's, let's try to restructure our lives and reprioritize our lives. We're too busy these days. For some, your week goes something like this. It's McDonald's every Monday. God bless you if it is. It's tacos on Tuesday. God bless you if it is. It's working out on Wednesday and it's t-ball on Thursday and it's fishing on Friday and it's going to yard sales on Saturday. No wonder we sleep in on Sunday. It's a lack of priority. It's a lack of urgency. It's a lack of, of, of just strict, straight carnality. We have to make time and prioritize time when it comes to Jesus. Let me take it a step further this morning. 
I know for most of us that Saturday can become so busy and we stay up so late on Saturday night that we're just too tired for church on Sunday. And if we come to church on Sunday, we're usually late getting there. If we are more disciplined for our jobs and for school than we are church or the kingdom of God, then our priorities are mixed up. We need to learn to say no, to be less devoted where it really doesn't matter, that we may become more devoted where it really counts. Eternity is forever. Heaven is forever. And heaven is going to be cheap at any price. And we need to give it all we've got, folks. We need to give it all we've got. It doesn't matter how much money you have in the bank and what you own and all that kind of stuff. What really matters is how committed you are to Jesus and if you're ready for the sounding of the trumpet or not. That's what matters. I promise you, five minutes after the rapture, five minutes after the rapture, you would give everything you've got, everything you now possess, to have this moment back. Only one life, somebody said, will soon be passed. Only what's done for Christ will last. Someone said, when I was a child, I laughed and wept, and time crept. When I was a youth, I dreamed and talked, and time walked. When I became a full-grown man, time ran. When older still, I daily grew, time flew. So I shall be traveling on, time gone. And it happens just about that fast. You know, there's a difference between an amateur and a professional. An amateur does things from time to time. He does things in spurts. But a professional devotes his time. It's his life's work. Let me say to you this morning, you'll never be effective for the kingdom of God by attending church in spurts. Try telling your spouse that you will be faithful to them in spurts. The occasional Sunday morning Christian will go backward in their spiritual life week after week and sadly will never realize it. And that also applies to praying in spurts and Bible reading in spurts and giving in spurts. Let's become a church that's devoted with a professional mindset. The kingdom of God is my priority 24 hours a day, 7 days a week, 365. It's a full-time job. Paul said, this one thing I do. I'm discerning this morning that this isn't quite what you came to hear on January the 1st. But if we would start doing what we know to do, pastor could preach other types of messages. And everyone said, Amen. D.L. Moody, preacher, promoter, evangelist from the 1800s, did YMCA work and had many irons in the fire. He preached one Sunday night. He said, go home and think about getting saved for a week and then come back next Sunday and we'll lead you to Christ, he said. The great Chicago fire happened that week and killed thousands, including many that he had preached to. Moody decided to never preach again without giving people an opportunity to repent and that he needed to devote himself to evangelism only. And it was only after that point that he shook America and England for the cause of the kingdom. We must be devoted. We may not have a next Sunday. So if we don't do it today, when will it ever get done? And starting January the 1st, 2017 is a great time, a great opportunity to say I'm making my mind up and I'm going to be better for Jesus than I've ever been before. Hallelujah to God. The third thing Paul said to do is to find some direction. Find some direction for your life. He said forget those things which are behind. It's a sad story, but in Valdosta, Georgia, a number of years ago, was a track and field prodigy who set records in his freshman year as a sophomore, as a junior, 
He was a shoe-in for big scholarships and even for the Olympics one day. In his senior year, he was blowing away the entire field, rounding the fourth turn. He was ahead by 20 yards, turned around and looked over his shoulder, tripped, fell down, and lost. We can't spend 2017 looking back at 2016. We have to look forward. Did you know that the month January got its name from the Roman god Janus, which is a two-faced god, one looking backward and one looking forward? In 2017, folks, there's no looking back. The past is past. No man, the Bible said, putting his hand to the plow and looking back is fit for the kingdom of God. No looking back at past sin. God forgives it. God forgets it. And so should we. And if Satan reminds you of those past sins, you have to remember it's the devil and not God. And when you think of it, thank God for forgiving you the first time. John R. Rice An evangelist said one time, no matter what you did in the past, your future is spotless. No looking back at past failures. No looking back at past failures. Did you know you can't do nothing about that anyway? All you can do is move forward and determine, I'm not going to repeat the failures of the past. Someone said one time, most New Year's resolutions go in one year and out the other. In reference to last year's resolutions, the weight loss, the habits, and all that, you only fail when you stop trying. We all know that Babe Ruth held the home run record for many, many years. Does anybody remember his other record that he held for many, many years? Say it. Strikeouts. So what did he build on? His success at hitting home runs? Or his failure with so many strikeouts? It depends on how we want to look at our life. Winston Churchill said, success is the ability to move from one failure on to the next. Let's look at Abraham Lincoln's life this morning for a moment. In 1831, he failed in business and went bankrupt. In 33, he got back on his feet and then failed again. In 35, his fiancée died. In 36, he had a nervous breakdown. In 38, he ran for Speaker of the House and was defeated. In 1840, as an elector, he was defeated. In 43, he ran for Congress and was defeated. In 48, he ran for Congress again and was defeated. In 1855, he ran for Senate and was defeated. In 1856, he was Vice President nominee and was defeated. In 1858, he ran for the Senate again and was defeated. In 1860, he was elected president. Or elected president, excuse me. Does anybody want to compare your life to that I think after the first time or two of being defeated in public office I gave up on that and said nobody wants me to do anything I couldn't get elected dog catcher but he felt like he had something to give to his country and he didn't quit till he got there and ended up being one of the greatest presidents we've ever had if not the greatest president we've ever had success is getting up just one more time than you fall down You don't gain anything by looking back at past bitternesses. If people have hurt you uh, as kindly as I can, and people have hurt me, and unfortunately I've hurt people. There's people here today that I've hurt, and you still don't like me. I don't say that with a smile on my face. But after a while, I mean, you can't build a life on that. You can't build any spirituality on that. I don't know if you can be saved doing that. After a while, you put it under the blood. If anyone could be bitter in the Old Testament, it was Joseph when he was betrayed by his own brothers. He could have said, I'm in this situation because of what somebody else did, no fault of my own. And then he realized that forgiveness was a choice. And I want everybody to remember, bitterness never hurts the one you're bitter toward. Bitterness always turns on its creator and poisons him. No looking back longingly 
at past events. It's not going to help you to say, oh, man, I wish we could go back and you name some year or some month and say, man, I wish I could just go back to that point. I've got some news for you today. You can't. So you have to take what's being offered to you today and make the best out of it that you can. You know, over the Christmas holidays, my family took a walk down memory lane. I found a video that I never found on a 1928 video camera that I forgot I even owned. Pulled that dumb thing out and plugged it in and it worked and I was amazed. I saw a video clip that was recorded, I guess the last time the camera was used. From like 2004. And I've had that memory all this time in my closet, never knew it. So I gathered Sister Murph around and we sat there for probably 45 minutes and watched a wonderful video of she and I and our two kids from 2004. He'd never seen it before. And I kind of, I did. I, I reminisced and I thought, you know what, it'd be really cool to go back to that time to have the kids at home again. And it was just a fun time in our life. We had two, well, one great dog and one not-so-great dog. Her name was Nyla Jane, for those of you that remember her. And, uh, but just wonderful, wonderful times. And it would be nice to go back and live out some of those days. My dad died in 1973. I've sought for years to have five minutes with him on the phone one day. But I can't. I've learned a long time ago that the past is past, and we have to move on. I know it sounds harsh and brash, and I don't mean to sound non-compassionate and what have you or empathetic but bottom line the truth remains good or bad good or bad we have to move on life moves on and if you're a wise person you can learn from your past and help to use it to propel you forward into a greater future it does no good to dwell on things and people from the past let me encourage you this way if you want to dwell on people do it the way Jesus said to do it he said said to look on the fields, for they are white unto harvest. Yet sayest thou four months, and then comes a harvest. I want to preach to somebody today. We have an opportunity, folks. We have an opportunity sitting in our lap, and we can take the rest of our life and do what we want to with it. It's time to get devoted to a purpose and to our cause, and let's do it. And finally, if you'll stand with me this morning. The fourth thing that Paul said to do was to find some determination. You can sit there and think about it till the cows come home, whatever that means. You can think about it till your teeth fall out. I see some of you have already done that. (laughs) But Paul said, I press toward the mark. Sister Murph and I, this coming June, will have pastored here for 23 years. Let me remind all of you, it didn't start like this. We started with about 11 or 12 people in a building, conversely, that had flooded, had been flooded out right before we came in deplorable condition. But Sister Yvonne, I set my mind on a goal. I set my own goal. And there was never a time to quit. There was never a time to stop. Did I get discouraged? Yes, I did. Did I want to quit? Yes, I did. There were times, there was a time, and most of you have heard the story, that I told Sister Murphy we were going to. It was the year 2006. I'd gone as far as I could go. I'd done all I could do. And God really wrestled my attention away from me. Wouldn't let me do it. And it wasn't but a year or two later that all of this began to happen. Tommy and Amy, y'all were there. Y'all remember that. Sister Yvonne does. Boo and Melanie does. There's other here's, others here today that does. I decided I'm going to set my eye on a mark, and I'm not going to stop. 
It's not a time for cruise control. I'm contented today, but I'm not satisfied. I'm thankful, but I'm still reaching for more. And I'm asking you to do the same. If you have greater priorities in your life than the kingdom of God, then your priorities are mixed up. Yes, they are. And we could preach a long time on that point. Now's not the time for that. I'm asking Grace Church this morning, on the very first day of 2017, can't believe we're here. I remember in the 70s praying, God, please don't let the rapture take place till I get married. Have you, any of you ever prayed that and wished he would have gone ahead and the rapture took place? Anyway? <laughs> I just thought of that right there. That's pretty funny. I remember praying one time, God, don't come back till we have kids. That's a prayer you wish would have never been answered. Never dreamed we'd be here. Man, we are just right on 2020. I remember talking in the 70s and 80s that we will never, the rapture, there's no way that God could not rapture his church out and, and let the, the, the earth go on that long. But here we are. It only causes me to say, if we thought we were close then, then how close are we now? So I'm going to ask you this morning, Grace Church, let's make a commitment. By God's grace, by God's grace, I pledge to focus on the goal to go forward for God in the new year. And I'm asking everybody to do this as an individual person. Quit waiting on your spouse. If there's things you know you need to do, God's talking to your heart whether your spouse is on board or not. I can't go to hell over anybody. Quit waiting on your spouse. If possible, would you make a commitment as a family? I know that all family members on, on, are, are not on board and it's, it's tragic. There's people here today that would to God your spouse was here with you. There's folks here today that wish your kids were here with you. But whatever you have to work with, commit it. Give it. Surrender it. And as pastor of Grace Church, I'm determined that as a church we're going to be more committed to the kingdom than we've ever been. It's time for folks to commit to a ministry, to, to, to develop a mindset that just the mundane things of work and, and kids going to school, and, and I'm not discounting it, but it's not the greatest priority. It's not. Church, the kingdom, being right with God is the greatest priority. And I pray today as the psalmist did in Psalm 65, verse 11, he said, you crown the year with your goodness. You crown the year with your goodness. I want to submit to all of you this morning that the month of December has been spectacular for Grace Church in so many ways. In so many ways, it's been a spectacular month. It's exceeded any month of December that we've had in the past 23 years. It's been phenomenal. It's almost like God is saying, that I'm not even going to wait to January. I'm going to start blessing the church right now. And I want to thank everybody that's a part of Grace Church. Thank you for all that you do. But folks, there's more. There's more. So today as we approach the Lord's table, Paul reminded us, and as a matter of fact, he set the standard. He taught the first Bible study on how to partake in communion. In 1 Corinthians chapter 11, he said, If you eat or drink unworthily. And then he said to examine yourself, which is what we're doing today. I want to remind you folks here today that this service is not less important because there's not 10,000 people here doing it. If there's only 10 people here today participating in this service, it still carries the same weight. And Paul put the burden on you and I to approach the Lord's table appropriately. So he said, if you eat or drink unworthily, and then he said to examine yourself. And he went on to say that those who eat or drink unworthily or those who do not examine themselves are sick and weakly. And he said, there's many. 
There's many. I want to remind everybody here today, our strength is not our material blessings. Our strength is what we are spiritually. Because when it comes down to it, that's all that's going to be left. So what does it mean to eat or drink unworthily? It's to promote or allow a factious spirit. That I'm out of unity. I'm out of sync with the church. I'm out of unity with the body of Christ. That's to eat or drink unworthily. To partake selfishly or thoughtlessly. To just go through the motions. That I'm doing it because everybody else is doing it. To have a self-satisfied flippant attitude to treat the Lord's table as common that's why we don't do communion more I never want it to get common there's folks that do it all the time and it's just another church ritual it's just another church tradition we don't do that here we always want the Lord's table to be appreciated we want it to be reverenced we want to approach it humbly we want to approach it thoughtfully and we certainly want to approach it thankful let me tell you this morning there's nobody here today that's worthy in and of yourself there's not a soul here today that's worthy to do what you're about to do it's only the grace of god that makes you worthy but you have to come with the right attitude and the impetus is on us and i want everybody to treat this with value and respect parents If your children partake in communion, supervise them. It's not a picnic. It's not a game. It's not neat. It's not really cool. It's not to brag about on Facebook. This is symbolizing the death of our Lord and Savior. So today, those of you that are on this side, these two sections right here, if you would exit towards a wall, And just come and get the element and just take it back to your seat and hold it. We're going to all do it together. If you folks on this side would exit towards the wall, just come by and get the communion element and take it back to your seat and hold it. We'll partake of it together. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. All of our guests are welcome to participate. All of our guests are welcome to join us if you choose to. If you folks would stay prayerful, stay prayerful. Reverence this moment. It's not a time for fellowship. It's not a time to be social. Let's stay reverent. Stay respectful of this moment. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Oh, yes. Aren't you thankful for this moment? Aren't you thankful for this time to share with the body of Christ? Anybody glad today to be a part of the church? Hallelujah. In Jesus' name. Oh, yes. Oh, yes. Oh yes, oh yes, oh yes. I love you, Jesus. I love you, Lord. I love you, Lord. I love you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, sir. Thank you. Hallelujah.
Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank the Lord. Father, today we are truly humbled at your sacrifice. We're thankful, God, for all that you've given. You gave up your body. You allowed your blood to be spilled out on the ground. For some six to nine hours, you hung, nailed to a cross, nailed by the most barbaric people that's ever lived on this planet, people without conscience, people without conviction and moral. And no doubt that's why you chose that time frame to come. It gave you the greatest opportunity to express just how great your love for us really is. For no greater love hath no man than this, that he would lay his life down for his friends. God, the impetus is on us now. The the burden is on us now to give sacrificially to give committed, to give reverently, respectfully, to feel privileged, to feel blessed, because we can. I pray today, God, that you would wrap your arms around Grace Church. Its future is truly in your hands. We only ask for your guidance. We want it to be what you want it to be. And I ask you today, God, to bless every person that's a part of Grace Church in 2017. That you would heal the hurts, heal the wounds. God, help us to forgive one another. Help us to forgive you. Help us to accept your forgiveness for our lives. To truly be made clean in your sight. And today, God, as we partake of this symbolic measure of your blood and your body, I pray today, God, that you would accept this moment from us as true, heartfelt, sincere, thankful gratitude for your sacrifice. And may we leave with the spirit and attitude that says, what can I do in return? Bless today, I pray in Jesus' name. If you would today, if you'd peel back the layer that we give to you, the bread, the little cracker. May we all take it together in remembrance of the body of Christ in Jesus' name. Thank you, Jesus. If you peel it back to expose the fruit of the vine, I'll give you a moment to do that. Again, moms and dads, if your children are partaking, please supervise them. We're happy for your kids to participate, but supervise them if you would. And thank you for your respect and reverence of this moment. Let's take the symbolic portion of the blood of Christ together in Jesus' name. Thank the Lord. Would you lift your hands as they sing one more time and let's express our appreciation all over the house today. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. In Jesus' name. Thank the Lord. Let's take a few moments and praise Him. Let's worship Him. Let's worship Him. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you, Lord. Come on, folks. Let's praise Him for a moment. Let's praise Him. He's truly worthy of our devotion. He's truly worthy of our devotion here this morning. Let's praise Him. Hallelujah! 
Hallelujah, 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 hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Let's exalt Him all over the house today. Let's praise Him. Hallelujah to God. Hallelujah to God. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. Blessed be the name of Jesus. Blessed be the name of Jesus. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. Hallelujah, 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 hallelujah. I worship you, O oh God. I worship you, O oh God. I worship you. Hallelujah, hallelujah. 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 It's been an honor and a privilege to have all of you here today. Our ushers are walking through the building to pick up your empty container. If you just pass it to the end of the aisle, they'll be happy to receive that from you. Appreciate so very much all of you being here today, our guest. Remember Wednesday night at 7.30 is Great Steps. And then next Sunday morning we resume Grace Church back to normal. A lot of things to say this coming Sunday you'll not want to miss. God bless you today. Spend some time in fellowship. Grace Church, greet our guests today. God bless you. Happy New Year to you folks. God bless.